Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Because I've Lost Control of My Life, the podcast that is very scientific and you probably will not understand. I am Matthew and here is my good buddy Adam. He's my co-host. <laughs> you know, I did the smartest thing before we uh, started recording the podcast today. Like <laughs> About an hour ago, I finished watching Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why you're so sullen and depressed. <laughs> visibly <laughs> what you people can tell is that instead of being at his desk with his microphone he's actually laying in bed and there's like an empty bottle of old crow beside him and he's tear stained <laughs> oh man that is a good movie though very very good movie yeah what's uh is that your first time seeing it or like the first time in a decade yeah it's it's probably been about that long for me too what'd it's you like, think it's about a once in the decade watch <laughs> yeah i i there, there are some movies that are once in a lifetime watch just because it's too much. But I think that's a once in a decade for that is probably enough. I think once in a lifetime is probably Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> I'm not I'm not into watching stuff where actual animals die, but I have seen the movie. And oh, God, now I'm so depressed. We're on equal footing for different reasons. Uh, but yeah, that's a great movie. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Go out and watch it right away. <laughs> What did you think about watching it again? You said two thumbs up right now, and we are joking a little bit, but how, how did you uh, feel about it, rewatching it's it? A, it's a very good movie. Like, really, it's like <laughs> it's like a fighting back tears movie. Yeah, it definitely is. If you people out there are not aware what Grave of the Fireflies is, it's a uh, it's a Japanese anime, but it's not like Dragon Ball Z or something like that, to say the least. It's it's about a group of siblings in World War Two in Japan. And I won't say more than that. It's it's very good, very heartbreaking, very sad. <laughs> that just used to. <laughs> but I get I can give it a very high recommendation. Definitely see it. We're starting off with recommending you get depressed. <laughs> you watch it after you watch our uh, or listen to this episode so that you can bring yourself down to a normal level. Because of... <laughs> we bring them to such joy. Yeah, we bring them to such uh, such heights that uh, they need a little come down afterwards. <laughs> and it is such a depressing movie, but we bring them to such high heights that it brings them back to normal. Yeah, you. <laughs> otherwise, you'd might rise a little too high and then you'd drop you'd crash you hit the glass ceiling folks <laughs> then the glass floor <laughs> <laughs> does that mean they fall through straight to hell <laughs> oh man uh so how are you other than being horribly depressed after watching that movie oh i i feel okay uh <laughs> i feel better than i did like right after yeah watching it yeah but, um other than that what we skipped last week because I pissed myself off trying to fix a printer. <laughs> Did you end up smashing it as I suggested? I bought a part for it. It came and like the rib ribbon cable, uh, a ribbon cable port was broken off. So I was like, fuck it. <laughs> so I got to get another a replacement part for it. Um, For you for you listeners out there, I suggested to him if it doesn't work that he needs to record himself smashing it. And if if he does slash when he does, if it doesn't work, it, we will post this on our social media and hopefully he will yell expletives. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, boy. Uh, my week wasn't too bad. It was really, really busy just finishing out the screenwriting program I mentioned I've been in um, and still looking for where to live, where I'm going to be moving. <laughs> My job starts in like three fucking weeks. But uh, I think three weeks. 
what is yeah. sometime in August, but it's uh, whatever. I'll, it'll work. And anyway, how was your week, Matthew? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was skipping that you're I was inserting the answer before you gave the question. I'm sorry. No, no, I probably wouldn't have asked. I was too distracted. Oh, yeah, he's he's too depressed to pitch the question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, bef- let's get a let's let's uh, I think we've done enough bullshitting for an intro. Uh, so what do we watch for this week, sir? So we watch Showdown at Teeter Totter Gulch. Written by uh, Glenn Eichler, who also wrote uh, Tricycle Thief and Rhinoceritis. And he is actually the creator of Daria, along with Susan Lewis. Or oh, wow. Susie Lewis. He worked on Beavis and Butthead, and he worked with Colbert on The Colbert Report and his late show. Wow. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah. So in Showdown at Teeter Totter Gulch, Grandpa Lou brings Tommy and Chucky to a new Western themed playground where the babies are friendly. The juice boxes come free gratis. <laughs> but when the noon sun rises and the shadows shrink away, the junk food kid casts her own over the playground. Can Tommy stand up to this big mean kid or will he live the rest of his life as a coward? <laughs> you know, I, I gotta say, this is one of the episodes that, like, I know I like the episode, but mentally I was thinking I was not going to like it as much as I did watching it again. And... Did you confirm that or? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying sorry. I, I don't know if I finished my thought, but like I, I did end up liking this a lot more than. Sorry, I just I trailed off there without finishing my fucking <laughs> thought. Yeah, I like. Long story short, what I'm trying to say rather is that I liked this a lot more than I remembered liking it. Yeah, there's a few scenes in here that are in lines and just little things that are so good. Yeah, like top notch for the series. And something that we've mentioned numerous times throughout the show is Tommy's uh, inclination towards justice. I think this is the first one where it really, really, really is hammered home. Like we talked about it uh, in uh, episode 16, I believe, for uh, was it the big house we talked about it or was it for episode 17? I don't fucking remember, but it's there are episodes where it's present. But I mean, there's a dream sequence sort of in here that's building to Tommy and his desire for justice. Yeah. So <laughs> we start out in uh, Grandpa's dragging them over, lo- <laughs> dragging them <laughs> through a parking lot toward a new playground. Uh, and they're kind of like, you know, people moving westward in yeah. the olden days. Yep. And he's talking about how they're going to have lots of room to play and plenty of sand. Sand to call her own. And they're wear- they, all of them, including Grandpa Lou, are wearing cowboy hats. And I don't know if you noticed this, but just before they get to the park, there are some characters in the background. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the uh, shuffleboard players from my absolute favorite episode of Rugrats, that being Grandpa's Teeth, are in the background. I, you know what would be even better for this episode, it being a Western episode, is if we somehow got it, there's some horses a-coming. <laughs> a stampede. <laughs> <laughs> That's all this episode's missing. There's some horses are coming. Hey? They could have recycled the whole <laughs> sequence and I would enjoy it. Don't even do new animation. Just include it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. But they anyway, yeah, they get to this admittedly extremely cool playground. Uh, like you like Adam said, Western themed. You got all these little uh, uh, Adobe style uh, houses, I guess. I don't know if Adobe is the right word for it. Um, yeah, they're like uh, the little... <laughs> what you'd see in a ghost town or an old yeah. western, like a dirt road and mm-hmm. shit. 
the western uh, style flapping doors and yeah and uh i want to just point out that like the second they get in there grandpa lou starts whittling and then he (laughs) falls asleep with a knife (laughs) for all the babies to come in he gets one little slash off on the block of wood and just immediately <laughs> passes out. Uh, hopefully he has a strong grip of that knife in his sleep and Nor Baby grabs the blade. <laughs> Good thing Tommy didn't uh, use that to solve the problem. <laughs> <laughs> in an alternate draft of the script, that's what he had to use for the... Uh, we'll, well, we'll get to that and then we'll talk about it. Also, the first little kid they meet there is like a... I think uh, his hair color is different, but he's one of the kids from the focus group in Mama Trauma. Is it with the glasses? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely there. It might even be the same hair color, but he is there. I think there might be one of the kids with a slightly different design from the Big House episode. Maybe the builder, I think. A little bit different hair. Um, maybe I'm wrong. So they soon meet a, a a nice little girl with thick, curly blonde hair named Belinda, who welcomes them to... Uh, this playground. You look thirsty. Will it be? Apple juice? Coming up. Yeah. <laughs> and she's got like a whole cooler. A whole, a whole cooler <laughs> filled with juice boxes, damn it. I never went to, I don't know about you, but I never went to any playgrounds where kids were serving up uh, serving up juice boxes gratis. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> never, never once. And uh, she's voiced by Kath Susie. If you can, she sounds quite quite a bit like Phil and Lil. Yes, very close. Uh, they're fast friends. They start playing around. Uh, Chucky like starts riding around on like a big wheel, but she's sitting on the wheel <laughs> 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 when they're riding around. What we don't know as males is that you can sit side saddle on something, like even the wheel, and you won't fall off even if it's moving. But we've never <laughs> done it before, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's just say that's the way it works. <laughs> But yeah, she they're they're having fun. They're playing, having a great time. And she warns them uh, that she has to go because it is now no shadow time. What's no shadow time? You know when the sun gets really high and the shadows go away? Yeah. Well, that's when the junk food kid comes around. Who? The junk food kid. The meanest toddler around. Everyone's afraid of the kid. The junk food kid, uh, Nancy Cartwright. So voice of Bart Simpson sounds like a mean Ralph Wiggum in this episode. Yeah, you're right. That, uh, yeah, I didn't think about that. but <laughs> I never put that together. <laughs> she sounds like a regular Ralph Wiggum by the end of the episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But the junk food kid shows up and all the other kids are promptly running away, hiding. Tommy stands up to her, of course, and she she causes a little bit of violence. Please? How old are you, kid? One? Well, if you want to live to be one and a half, you better get! But we just be careful, Tommy. We want to play here. If that's all right with you, Miss Junk Food Kid, ma'am. Well, it ain't! Now get out of here! What are you waiting for? We're waiting for you to take your foot out of our bucket so we can keep playing. And then she kicks the bucket, not dies, but her <laughs> foot is literally in the bucket. She kicks it well, off of her foot. She kicks the bucket because Tommy did grab Grandpa's knife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, at first she... she uh, what she she walks in carrying like a candy bar and like a popsicle. 
Yeah. And she slaps the candy bar across Chucky's face. Backhands him. <laughs> yeah, backhands it. <laughs> it leaves the brand of the chocolate bar. <laughs> and Chucky screams, ah, I've been branded! <laughs> <laughs> and she chops the popsicle down Tommy's diaper. Yo, it's cold! There's a hilarious sequence of drawings of Tommy jumping <laughs> around. And uh, by the time he gets it out, the whole popsicle is melted. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine when Lou gets him home and they change his diaper? Like, Grandpa, did you put it up? Did you give him a popsicle and let him put it down his pants? Why is he Why is he peeing pink? <laughs> why is this shit that color? The worst act of violence is she pops a bubble of bubble gum in Belinda's beautiful hair. Yeah, and it, it, like, completely encompasses her hair. And then she just leaves, and all of the kids, including the new kid, Belinda, are left crying. What are we gonna do, Tommy? There's only one thing we can do. <laughs> and we cut to later that night, Tommy Spike in his bed. at the moon. Yes, Spike silhouetted howling at the moon, which is a great image. Tommy is having dreams about the junk food kid threatening him and grandpa talking about how he needs to be a tough omelet and saying, (laughs) do the right thing over and over again. And that's where it's implanted in Tommy's psyche to fight for the side of justice. And maybe the best one, at least one of the best sequences in this. After he's done reflecting all of that, he grabs a little toy wind up guitar <laughs> and starts tearing it as he looks out at the moon. So good. <laughs> just, just plays baby music. <laughs> Can you imagine if you watched a Western and some, some cowpoke was out on the trail in front of the fire? Pulls out his guitar and just starts picking baby music. That's a baby wind (laughs) Oh, that needs to be in a movie someday. But yeah, the next day we see that Grandpa's again taking Tommy and Chucky, again wearing their cowboy get-ups to uh, teeter-totter gulch, let's call it. Let's call it. Let's call it. Which I, was it, did it say like El Dorado Playground? Yeah, it says El Dorado. Okay. As they're going there, uh, Chucky says, uh, why are we going to the playground again as if the babies have any say in the matter? <laughs> yeah, they vote every morning whether grandpa, where's grandpa's <laughs> going to take them. They, they play elaborate, elaborate tricks on him to uh, influence his decision making. Depending on if they put their cowboy hats on that yeah. morning and they stand in front of him. There's actually <laughs> a later episode that lends some credence to this where Tommy really, really wants to go to the park. I don't remember why. And he's like holding up his shovel and his pail in front of yeah. Dee Dee. And then she's like, he's just holding up his shovel and his pail like he wants to go to the playground. And she's like, mommy's so busy. And he's like, I'd like to imagine that's what they do to Lou as well. Uh, Yeah, I think that's uh, that's still in the good episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's season two or three. I don't remember which one, but I watched that like a month or so ago. Okay. But they uh, meet Belinda again and her hair is cut short and, and her like bang bangs area of her hair is like shaved. My mommy had to cut it off because of all the gum. Yeah. And, and Chucky makes the incredibly kind comment. Wow, you're almost as bald as Tommy. 
<laughs> oh man. And when I was a kid and I saw her hair, I was like, it looks like noodles. <laughs> <laughs> noodle curls. Yeah, noodle curls. Oh man. He gives a speech about how they have to stand up to him or to her. And uh this being all Tommy. The kids, they're like cheering around, cheering for him, saying, Oh yeah, we gotta do something. And he's like They all sheepishly walk away. <laughs> Except for but Chucky Ch- and Belinda. Chucky and Belinda stay, and uh, Chucky says, All the good hiding places are taken. A true friend. So, uh, inevitably, no shadow time arrives once more, and the junk food kid returns. Yeah, and uh, Tommy's definitely, he's going to face her this time, because uh, he doesn't want to live the life of a coward. He does the right thing. And if things go the yeah, if things go the wrong way, get her out of here. We don't want her losing what left what's left of her hair. <laughs> then she really would be as bald as Tommy. <laughs> and then we get the great line from Chucky. I didn't meet Tommy till he was eight days old. I don't know what happened to him during those first eight days, but he sure don't like to see people get pushed around. <laughs> Such a good. That's the line of the episode. Yeah. Although it's later uh, conflicted with a story in another episode, but this isn't exactly a show that plays heavy with continuity. <laughs> so when no shadow time comes, there's like three vultures circling around <laughs> the sun waiting for Tommy to be killed. <laughs> <laughs> and she was ready to kill him this time. Babies choke on gum. They don't get it in their hair. <laughs> so we get the uh, classic Western trope of them facing each other down, including slowly walking towards each other with uh, the dramatic music playing. Yeah, and Tommy's standing up to her, and I don't remember exactly what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying brave stuff. <laughs> yeah, he, he says, like, I'm not sorry, I won't hide, and this isn't your playground anymore. Says who? Says me. This playground is for good kids who get along and play nice. And she's like, play nice? I'll show you play nice. She starts chewing up another wad of gum to blow into a bubble. And it gets bigger and bigger. And Tommy has saved the popsicle stick from last time in his uh, holster, his gun holster. One more balloon, I'll pop it to pieces. And the junk food kid quickly just easily backhands that out of his hand with another chocolate bar. Yeah, Tommy's not too good at this. She had brought a candy cane that she threw aside as they were coming up. Which had come to a point because she'd been sucking on it. Yeah, and uh, Chucky throws it to Tommy after he's disarmed. Chucky with the assist. Tommy, catch! And yeah, so the bubble is enormous. Tommy stabs it, and it promptly explodes all over the junk food kid's face. If that bubble would have popped, Chucky or Chucky Tommy would have lost his three hairs (laughs) (laughs) and choked to death. (laughs) The vultures waiting bear that out. And then the junk food kid's uh, mother runs up and says, Oh, look at you. Oh, I could kick myself for letting you have that gum, Prudence. And then Tommy's like almost condescending. Prudence? 
I don't know if he's being condescending or if he just thinks like, I thought she was just the junk food kid. Like, <laughs> yeah, you'd think like he's only one year, one year old. He hasn't seen much. <laughs> <laughs> like every other name he hears has to, has to have been the first time he's heard it. <laughs> But yeah, the the next day, I'm going to assume it's the next day because apparently Lou just takes them there every day. And Tommy is sitting and playing with Belinda and Chucky. We get a moment of intimidating music again where the junk food kid or Prudence is coming into the playground. And now her hair is really short, kind of ragged. Is it kind of ragged? Yeah. Like it's not it, it, it's not a stylish haircut, even for a toddler. They couldn't cut it nice because they had to get the gum out. Yeah. And now she's uh, she's munching on carrot sticks and she hides them behind her back. Well, Tommy asks her. Hey, kid, what you eating? And then we have a very, very nice ending where Belinda says, Prudence, would you like to play with us? Okay. She becomes regular Ralph Wiggum. <laughs> and uh, before Tommy leaves, we get that hard stare into the... <laughs> sunset or the horizon where his <laughs> eyes are narrowed and his pupils are like three times the size and he looks be... like a frog yeah yeah i thought he looked kind of like a frog sometimes a fella's just gotta be moving on moving on yep i'm heading home to have myself a juice snuggle with my blankie and go nap nap i also like that belinda's like oh that tommy he's one tough omelet <laughs> <laughs> One year old, and he's got he's inherently full of justice and care for others. Um, and I do I I, I kind of mentioned started mentioning this, but um, I, I do like that they invite Prudence to play with them at the end. I think that really rings yeah. true to their characters and their fairness. Also, just being it's just a good-hearted thing. And we just did our audio commentary for the new show recently, where you haven't mentioned it, where the pickles foster a new dog. And they're trying to get rid of it in moments like this from the original series kind of make me think that that just does not ring true. Yeah, like you. I don't know. I imagine Tommy and them would be trying to get Spike and the puppy to get along rather than get rid of the puppy because they can only have one dog. Yeah. So, yeah, good segment. Really straightforward narrative. Nothing especially weird about the animation or anything, but just solid, solid writing, solid voice acting. Good concept. So we plowed through that first segment pretty quick. Uh, before we get on to the second one, uh, anything interesting happened recently? It's uh, We took a week off because, like you said, you were too busy smashing a printer. But <laughs> uh, any, any surprises for me or uh, anything you'd like to talk about? As far as the last week, I read The Watchmen. The comic? Was, yeah, pretty good. And I got the idea in my mind that, you know, the character Rorschach, or I don't know if you're familiar with it or vaguely like I, I he's the guy that has the mask. It has like the Rorschach. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's like ugly as hell under the mask. OK. And I just imagine wise guy being him as a baby. <laughs> <laughs> from the which if you were confused about what he's talking about is from the big house episode that we reviewed a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Oh, that's a great idea. I wish that he grew up to be. I hope that he grew up to be Rorschach. Um, <laughs> um, last night, I, for the first time ever, it ashames me to say, I watched the movie Chinatown. Have you ever seen that before? Uh, that was one where I kind of half watched it, so I didn't really get 
anything out of it, so I'd have to rewatch it again. I, I would definitely say it's not a movie you can watch passively because it, it is all about the dialogue and it is like a noir, neo-noir detective kind of movie. Somehow I had never seen it before. And over the last X amount of weeks of this fucking screenwriting shit I'm doing, people are talking about it constantly. And I'm like, I have never seen this fucking movie. I'm embarrassed. And I think some of them might listen to this show, so I'm admitting it to them. I'm watching it. I watched it for the first time <laughs> the last day of the, the fucking program. But really good movie. I liked it a lot. I, I would recommend And Apparently there's a sequel to it called The Two Jakes, which is not nearly highly regarded or not, not nearly as highly regarded, I should say. OK, OK, OK. <laughs> yeah, that really does change the meaning. Yeah, it's, it does. It's not nearly highly regarded. <laughs> I, I don't even know if it's like highly regarded or positively at all. I think this is kind of like. Why did you do a sequel to this? Jack Nicholson directed the sequel, but I've been watching like a movie every day. So I, I thought it would be funny if I'd be like, and I watched an American tale. <laughs> <laughs> the Fievel movie? Yeah, the first Fievel movie. I haven't seen that in a long time. I remember loving it when I was a kid. Does it hold up or? I mean, it's decent. It's a kid's movie. Like it's like introducing children to the, for the first time to the concept that immigrants coming to the United States might not necessarily have had it so good and that the American dream is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> so so if Fox News had been around back then, they'd this, be again it. They'd be again it. And remember, folks, you can be for it or you can be again it. <laughs> so with your rating, though, are you for it or again it? I'm for it. <laughs> I have a pretty distinct memory of watching is Fievel Goes West as the sequel, right? Yeah, I, I remember that, but I don't remember an American tale so much. Yeah, an American tale is they start out in Russia, actually, and they're very strongly coded uh, Russian Jewish mm -hmm. immigrants yep. coming to America. And all the mice think that there are no cats in America. <laughs> They all sing a song about it on the boat. Fievel actually falls off the boat and is separated for his from his family for the almost the entirety of the movie. And he's trying to find them. He befriends like a pigeon that's helping build the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a kid's movie. Like, it's not like super deep or anything. So, uh, yeah, but at the same time, you're introducing concepts like yeah, that, which yeah. I think is it's, it's a good thing. Yeah, it makes it more than just like a. Uh, disposable kids thing i guess i don't know gives it a little God little little pepper on top those goddamn liberals in hollywood subverting our children <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's uh yeah I, I i'm sure if there are retrospective reviews of that movie that's there i'm sure there's probably some idiot out there being like why they not love america <laughs> in that exact yeah. tone of voice you know, and this maybe this is going a bit too far, but, uh, you know, like conservatives that love movies and they see something that is like completely against their beliefs. They usually interpret it completely wrong. Mm -hmm. Like uh, like they probably be like, oh, the cats represent <laughs> represent some like <laughs> minority or something. <laughs> God, no, uh. but. You can cut me off and cut this out if you don't want to talk about it. Oh, no, I'm, I'm all for it. I don't care if we alienate the audience. I like the topic. 
your teacher at our high school. Yes. And his review of RoboCop, famously the worst reviewer in the United States. I was about to bring this up myself. Um, The Guardian newspaper did an article about my high school video teacher, who was also a film critic, uh, and they called him... The, the article is called Why I Love the World's Worst Film Critic. Great teacher. I, I will say right off the bat, very, very good teacher. One Probably to this day, still one of the best I've ever had. But his reviews of movies are like random where it's not even present. He just starts ranting about socialism. He like took shots at Barack Obama all the time. And um, for... And nothing like a legitimate complaint against like his policies or anything, even though why would that be in a fucking movie like the socialism of Barack Obama? And he always called Ted Turner a socialist, like the billionaire Ted Turner. But you mentioned RoboCop. He literally said it's a movie about fighting fire with fire. (laughs) Like there's violent crime out there. So the best thing we can do is build a robot to blow them to pieces like, All the bad guys are out there. They're blowing people's dicks off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. I mean, I'm fairly certain that the director of the original RoboCop has said stuff like it was intended to be his critique of of America, American culture. And also RoboCop is supposed to be kind of like Jesus because he dies, is resurrected and then walks on water in the end. There's one shot where he's obviously walking through a puddle but the way it's shot, it makes him look like he's walking on water. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, great teacher, horrible film critic. I mean, we're all entitled to our own beliefs, but we are libtards, as the saying Paul, goes. Paul Verhoeven. Paul, yeah, pa- yes, is, Paul Verhoeven, who is, also did, who also did, uh, um, um, oh, fuck, what is it called? Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers, yes. Which I, I, I can imagine the same people misinterpreting some of these some of these things, like picturing that it's this gung ho pro military movie. And actually, it's like it's it, comparing like the like uh, United States, like military and like the approval of like of like military acts and shit to Nazis. Well, it's 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 very much a critique of like fascism, because like everything mm-hmm. in that movie, it's like you're you're not like a whole a whole person or anything unless you join the military and serve. I think th- I think there might even be lines in that where you don't get full citizenship or something until you serve in the military. I might be wrong. I think. Yeah, I think the movie is actually even meant to be a criticism of the book in a way, because mm. uh, the book by Robert Heinlein. Yeah, the book is written in where all that stuff is positive. <laughs> oh, it's not actually intended to be like a, an allegory or a, or anything like that. Yeah, I'm fairly sure the book is like this is just some cool shit. We get to go <laughs> blow up books. We cannot. We can't talk about him and not talk about Total Recall as well, where uh, the companies are uh, making you pay for air, basically. Wait, did he do Total Recall? Fairly certain he did Total Recall. We got to confirm this, though. We can't let it. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. I th- no, that's Philip K. Dick. No, Philip K. Dick was an author, though. Yeah, yeah. But he but he, oh, you mean as far as a director? I was thinking I thought you were talking about yeah. the writing no. because the 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 story that I was thinking about the story that it's based off of, which for some reason I remember is called We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. But that's what Total Recall is based off of that short story. Yeah. For some reason, I thought you were talking about the story. OK, that's fine. Yeah, we're like way off track here. <laughs> But that's fine. That's we what this portion pa- of the show is about. We got to pad it out. <laughs> yeah, we got to pad it out. We These season two episodes, man, we just plow right through them. Oh, man. So, yeah. So, 
movies. Yeah, they are a thing that are good sometimes. <laughs> I watched the new Bill and Ted today. How was that? It was kind of, kind of a letdown. I I haven't seen any of the original two or either of the original two Bill and Ted movies since like I was a kid. I always kind of like them, never totally in love with them. So I'm almost afraid to watch them again because any positive thoughts I have towards them, I might be just I have a feeling I wouldn't like them. I don't know. I mean, they're stupid movies and the whole premise of it about two deadbeats who can't even like play any instruments, write a uh, <laughs> shit rock anthem that saves the future but everybody rock. models themselves off of them <laughs> they kind of i don't know it kind of the new movie they i don't know they went too serious with it i think okay it's about their I daughters like, right kind of it's like half about their daughters okay. i like the premise of it that it's like 30 years later and they still haven't done that <laughs> and so they're like <laughs> desperate <laughs> to write the, best, the song that will change the universe but it's kind of like a little bit of a cop out at the end okay we, we'll talk about it. I, I don't care about ever seeing it. We'll talk about it together afterwards. You can tell me. Um, yeah. <laughs> trying to think if I watched anything else recently or if anything happened. It's been like a blur these past couple weeks. That's what life is now. It's all a blur. <laughs> life is a painful blur. <laughs> <sighs> you don't live near your friends. <laughs> No, I don't live near my friends. <laughs> you don't live near your friends. You don't want to live near your friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Speaking of speaking of friends, I'll I'll be seeing our friend John very soon because we're going to a wrestling show. Oh, cool! Yeah. So, are you sure, are you sure that's going to happen now? Well, mm, it's uh, that's a good question. I don't know if everything's going to get shut down. These everything is still set to happen, but. It's next week, technically, I think. That'll be cool to, that you get to see John. Maybe you could see him anyway. Get some more slander for us to use on our show. Oh, that's such a good idea. So much shit I can talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get him really drunk and see what embarrassing things he can say. Maybe I'll record an interview with him. <laughs> he texted me happy birthday on my birthday. And then like a week later, he's like, shit. My phone told me that last week was your birthday. Today's your birthday. So, yeah, I hate technology. I'm like, no, you texted me it on my actual birthday. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he has no memory left. Then he told me that he was taking away my birthday and I could have it back next year for my birthday. <laughs> Do you remember uh, his uh, John's birthday one year? Oh, yeah. In <laughs> 2017. My bachelor party. <laughs> Oh, that was a good bachelor party. Yeah, for John's bachelor or for Adam's bachelor. For fuck's sake. For John's birthday, we gave him Adam's bachelor's party. <laughs> I think one of my favorites, like I loved everything we did, but like one of the funniest and things that we did, though, was we went to a strip club and I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> Each one of us drew boobs on a post-it note and put them on the TV. <laughs> By strip club, he means in the fucking hotel room. There were some post-it notes and we drew boobs on them. <laughs> <laughs> God. Oh, you just reminded me. I have a notepad where I've written down all of the random nonsensical things that we said to each other. 
I just mentioned this bit about I wrote a bunch of notes and I found that I found pictures of the notes in my in my phone. And there is a Rugrats reference here. It's the first one. More shows need to show babies dealing with objectivism. <laughs> I don't remember the context of that. Which episode is that dealing with? Shit, I don't know. I don't know, but I know we were talking about Rugrats. Um, so drunk we were critically analyzing Rugrats on another level. What most people don't know is we're actually a lot more intelligent when we're drunk. When we're normal, we're just boring assholes. But anyway, let me read some of these other quotes. And I, I need to emphasize again, these are just, I carried a notebook in my pocket throughout this entire bachelor party just to write down random stupid quotes we say. Okay, so the first one, as I said, more shows need to show babies dealing with objectivism. Sneezy sense. There are people dumber than me. <laughs> are there any nutrients in straw? <laughs> John is the pinnacle of human evolution. <laughs> Travis, do you want to be safety brothers? No, I want to be a village person. <laughs> Has anyone ever puked on a fire? I shit the bed, but don't worry, we have a diaper. <laughs> That's just cursive, Travis. Catch that gorilla, Travis. Are you drunk, Travis? I mean, enough to lose Connect Four. <laughs> and those are all of them. But <laughs> We stopped recording those pretty early because we got too drunk. Because <laughs> Connect Four was... Before we got back to the hotel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what was the order of everything? We met at the hotel. We drank a bunch of booze in the hotel. We went to eat at a at a at a uh, Scottish pub. Yeah, so that uh, <laughs> I could have Scotch eggs for the first time. Yeah, but I don't think I would ever eat them again after I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it soaked up. The, that's probably one thing. The the massive portions of Scottish field probably food probably soaked up all the booze pretty well. Oh, uh, that's true. And then we went to a panic, a panic room. We went to a panic room. And that just actually reminded me of another story I have. Uh, we went to a uh, an escape room, which we failed and completely trashed. <laughs> well, actually, we almost won it. But yeah. we were too drunk to have like the dexterity to <laughs> get through the lasers at the end. <laughs> I remember not clearly knowing what an escape room was. And I was like, I don't want to do an escape room. <laughs> I remember you saying that. After you bought it. <laughs> you were taking me. Oh, God, I'm such a dick. When I'm drunk. <laughs> well, hey, then we then we uh, we had a great time, though. And also random aside, speaking of you being a dick when you're drunk, when we were an undergrad, you drank an entire flask of whiskey. And we went with our fraternity to this shitty fucking restaurant and you ordered a pizza and you're just very drunk and just like this is crap this is the worst pizza just like shouting it that's so embarrassing <laughs> uh, so good though um but anyway the last thing we did was we went to an adult arcade um the aka an arcade where you can drink and play video games and the second floor also had board games and console games so it was a good time um we were playing like an xbox or x-men x-men arcade game where we just kept making this one character do a special move because he screamed <laughs> That needs to be a running joke on the show now, along with E.T. screaming. And the shit sound. And the shit sound. Any listeners out there picked up the shit sound yet? <laughs> and then we went back to the hotel room and everybody passed out. And I have video somewhere of John being very drunk. Maybe I'll include the audio. 
You'll hear the audio of him drunk from 2017 before you actually have him on the show. No, I said I said panic room last week. I was looking at houses in the area where I'm going to be moving. And one of them for sale was a former duplex. And both sides, you can tell it, it was not built to be cohesive at all. Just like random shit thrown together. Not a good job of anything. There was like a water heater in like a living room by the kitchen. And on top of it, someone had just put like a box, like a wooden box with like a little door to get to it. Just in the middle of like a living room, just out of nowhere. First, why isn't it in a closet to begin with? But the real discovery, two discoveries on the second floor. There was a little space of wall that you went through that had like shelving on it. It turns out if you press on the shelving, it went to a secret panic room. Oh. And yeah, it, <laughs> Adam did not do that on purpose, but he did it at a perfect time. Um, there was a secret panic room with hundreds of pro gun stickers inside and pegboard with uh, where you could hang your guns and you could close this panic room door. I, I'm calling it a panic room. And I now that I think about it more, I was doing this as a joke, but I think more and more that's what it is, um, because inside there was a deadbolt. So you could latch yourself in there. Um, and then in another room, there was a cabinet and there was still a gun inside of it. So you just found like the secret hideout of a mass shooter. Probably. I mean, <laughs> fuck, man. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> So, the second segment of the week for this podcast that we do about Rugrats. <clears throat> That's me coughing, not me turning over a piece of paper because I still use paper to write my notes. <clears throat> Mirrorland, written by Michael Ferris, who has written a number of Rugrats episodes, and I wrote down two of them that are very uh, good ones, Mr. Fiend and Meet the Carmichaels, and... He is also responsible for writing Terminator, Terminator 3 and Terminator Salvation. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what a downward spiral from Rugrats. <laughs> so in Mirrorland, Chucky's imagination gets the better of him as his suggestion that the reflections in the mirror are actual beings from an alternate dimension <laughs> triggers Tommy's affinity for adventure. When the babies flip themselves over the top of Dee Dee's new antique mirror, they believe they've made it to Mirrorland, a thrift store nightmare from which the two must escape. <laughs> a thrift store nightmare. But fearsome creatures such as the fire-headed fogey, the robotic <laughs> ballerina... A dusty old bearded dog, and of course their mirror boy counterparts all stand in their way. <laughs> That's one of your best descriptions yet. I knew I loved this episode, but watching it again this time, I, I think I love it even more than I thought, because this is a very, very good episode. I think this is my favorite so far of season two. It starts out with a, a Jacques Cousteau <laughs> type parody. But it's Pop's voice. Yeah, it's uh, David Doyle who does Grandpa Lou yeah. voice, uh, which I didn't pick up on my own. I saw it in the end credits. I could tell but that you, it was him because he has the crustiness, but with a French accent. It's like if Grandpa Lou was French. If you're paying attention, uh, you don't even really have to pay attention. If you're not just passively listening listening to it, you'd probably notice. The first time I was going through, I was probably passively listening to yeah, what yeah. he was saying. Focusing more on uh, Chucky and Tommy trying to catch a fish from their aquarium. <laughs> 
And it's really funny. Uh, there's there's a bit there. The last thing that the Jacques Cousteau character is narrating. Well, first he's saying like, uh, My crew and I came to this magnificent undersea paradise in search of Neptune's most jealousy guarded treasure, the lost city of Atlantis. The last line before it cuts to the babies and it cuts off really abruptly. He says, unfortunately, we only found some beer cans. <laughs> like, <it's> a- <laughs> Something and like an that. old outboard motor. And an old outboard motor. <laughs> but uh, immediately after that, Dee Dee rings the doorbell and Grandpa walks by Chucky laying flat on the ground <laughs> and Tommy rubbing his head <laughs> as they've just fallen off the baby tower that they had constructed to catch the fish. What do you think they were hoping to accomplish by catch- catching this fish? This fish. This fish. They wanted to play with it. We're going to take him to the river. They take him to the toilet and flush it. Yeah, Tommy was probably like, I haven't flushed a fish before. (laughs) (laughs) Dee Dee rings the doorbell and comes and she has a a giant mirror, which she says is French. And she's bought a bunch of other junk from the the thrift store, as Adam has alluded to. And before Lou goes to help her, he, he sees on the side of the mirror that maybe it's not quite such an authentic French mirror. Made in Taiwan. Hmm. I didn't know Taiwan was in France. And we get some of the playfulness of Lou that we've alluded to in previous episodes. His delivery on those lines is always so much that you question whether or not he's actually that dumb or uh, if he's just playing around. And I think I've come to the conclusion is that he is good at dry delivery. (laughs) Yes, uh, I never used to think that. But upon rewatching it for this podcast in like rewatching in more of a critical detail, I I, I definitely agree. And what Didi has an entire driveway full of garbage that she's got from this uh, this place called Cold and Oldies, which Lou mishears as Golden Oldies, but it's Cold and Oldies. They sell antiques and ice cream. They did throw in a free pint of avocado swirl. Whatever flavor of frozen treat yes comes in avocado swirl it's yogurt i was gonna say i'm gonna assume because it's the pickles it's probably frozen yogurt because it the healthy element and the babies uh act like they've never seen a mirror before (laughs) (laughs) right up against it and uh phil and lou i guess they can't fit so they just mirror themselves yeah first what chucky says chucky explains how a mirror works after lil asks and he says it's very scientific you probably would understand which is something he does say at another point or two in the series and i love it that's one of my favorite chucky continuing lines and he clearly doesn't understand himself (laughs) he's just making shit up and i think what he makes up probably has something to do with watching phil and lil mirror themselves something but what he comes to the conclusion that in mirror land everything is the same as here only different yeah and that the everything in the mirror is (laughs) something that actually exists on the other side that if you could just get past the person blocking your way you could interact with which for us we have a pair of mirror boys so Tommy and Chucky and Tommy is about Tommy immediately upon theorizing that this place has fish that fly in the air and birds that swim underwater and other great lines uh, he immediately decides that this sounds great let's do it and then <laughs> Chucky's like god damn it and that's actually his line in the episode he says god damn it they didn't censor it obviously I'm bullshitting <laughs> <laughs> So Tommy winds up and he thinks he's going to run right past the mirror boy and Dee Dee and Lou are carrying in a $15 box of anonymous junk and she picks up Tommy just in time to prevent him from giving himself a concussion. 
the first time she's ever saved him from a concussion. <laughs> <laughs> what about in uh, in uh, the football episode? She did not save him. He hit his head again. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. He did. She didn't save him. Yes. Yes. Sorry. My worm he, brain is working against me. He hit himself in the head twice. <laughs> when, when he's about to run up, he's like waves his arms him <laughs> like it's going to pick up speed. Yeah. If he goes fast enough, he'll be able to just barrel right by the mirror boy. But this uh, this box that Lou, Lou and Dee, Dee have carried in contains all kinds of different junk, including what? Several wigs. A ballerina beard. dress. Yeah. Fake beard. Yes. Um, I know she, right, she's got like she filled up their whole yard with shit she got <laughs> from cold and oldie. So I, it's hard to tell you what's come out of the box. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, she got like a cat clock. One of those old mm-hmm. uh, ones where the eyes move and the tail is like the pendulum, which I think we've seen referenced in a previous episode. The big house when Tommy's like watching his time. That's it. The funny thing is, uh, <laughs> after he's about to run in the mirror, she gives them a little teddy bear and she goes, Play with soft things, sweetie, like this. <laughs> and they immediately use the teddy bear to cushion his fall as they launch him over the top of the plate. <laughs> <laughs> Which he flips forward, too. He lands face first in the <laughs> I think Chucky might have a little bit more of a graceful landing. Yeah, Chucky knows to protect his head. <laughs> He's got that head of hair to protect him. <laughs> yeah. uh, so they, Tommy and Chucky immediately began looking for the mirror because they, well, Tommy wants to go to Mirrorland. Chucky, not so much. And they bring Tommy's ball with them as a distraction to use for the mirror boys. Now, I don't know if I ever picked up on why Phil and Lil don't go. Did Tommy say something to them like, you stay here or... I my mental interpretation has always been like, we'll go first and then you go. But as far as like a logical conclusion, because they were using Phil and Lil to launch out of the playpen, they wouldn't be able to go like they had to have somebody on the outside and the inside. I don't know. This is like the beginning of Alien where they send out a reconnaissance team. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, four people always have to remain on the ship for for minimum takeoff capability. Um, Yeah, yeah, they find the mirror. As they're like getting ready to go through the mirror, there's a series of scenes of Dee Dee putting on a ballerina dress, <laughs> and losing her glasses, which yes. Spike take, and Grandpa Luke trying on various wigs. <laughs> what first he has like uh, like a, a black wig that might just be like what his natural hair color is to cover the bald spot. Then he's got like a blonde rock and roll wig, which although he says, "Yes, sir, if I'd been born a few years later, I could have been one of them heavy metal stars." It's like He-Man's hair, basically. Yeah, and he's playing a plunger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then he comes to a final one where he foreshadows, hey, this one's pretty nifty. And then we, this is when we cut back to Tommy and Chucky. And Chucky is using the ball as a distraction device for the mere Tommy. I think he's looking at the ball. No! <laughs> and so tommy charges and the mirror of course because it's a mirror on hinges it flips and tommy flips over into a a box of junk and then chucky walks forward for some reason and also gets caught and flipped over into the box (laughs) and they wind up in mirror land yeah so immediately (laughs) they walk around the mirror and they see 
Grandpa Lou and Dee Dee looking not quite like they normally do. <laughs> well, first of all, they go into the bedroom and they say, Look, Chucky, in Mirrorland, you uh, wear your shoes on your hands. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's wishful thinking. He's like, oh, I don't want to admit failure. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go under and Tommy pretends to be sleeping for a few moments. And you sleep under the bed instead of on top. I show ya. I'm not sleepy, Tommy. And they exit, and that's when Grandpa Lou, now wearing a giant red afro wig, comes in. And Tommy's first assumption at this is that his head's on fire. <laughs> it's me or Grandpa, and his head is on fire. <laughs> Actually, like right before Grandpa comes in, he decides that babies wear their diapers on their head. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but anyway, Firehead Grandpa comes in, and, and, and he's like, "Since real Grandpa's nice, mirror Grandpa might be mean. We better run." They just run out screaming, and uh, he's not even looking for them. He's like looking for Dee Dee's glasses. Yeah. And she comes like tumbling out, unable to see <laughs> in like a very tight ballerina costume. Taking very small okay. steps. Yeah, I guess she's on the tips of her toes as she <laughs> walks for some reason. I don't think you have to be if you wear ballerina. No, shoes. no. Uh, Especially if you can't see. Yes. And Tommy's first assumption, of course, is It's my mirror mommy. She's a robot. So at this point, both his mom and his dad have been robots in the series. Yeah, Tommy is a <laughs> robot phobia. <laughs> oh. 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 He ain't afraid of much and he stands up for justice, but robots, uh-uh, he knows about Skynet. Hey, yeah, because the writer of this episode also wrote Terminator. Oh my God, yeah, you're right. It goes deeper than I thought. <laughs> Tommy is actually John Connor. Oh man, does that make Stu Kyle Reese? <laughs> and Dee Dee, Dee Dee is uh, uh, Sarah Connor. Anyway, but next they see Spike, who has gotten into one of the boxes. He has Dee Dee's glasses on his face, and he's got a beard, and his face is all filthy from all this old junk. And he starts chasing them, and Tommy manages to distract him for a moment by throwing his uh, ball, which Spike goes after. Did you mention the beard he got on his face, too? I think I did. But if I didn't, yes, Spike does have a beard on his face. But they this time, they don't try to pull any tricks to get through the mirror. They just rush it and say, Move over, mirror boys. We're coming through. (laughs) (laughs) They know they have to get out of here. And uh, as they're doing this, Phil and Lil are arguing about whether or not they made it. Maybe they got lost in the dirty clothes hamperillion. Which is one of the traditional Phil and Lil arguments, which I think in this season is where it begins that when they argument, there's often close-ups of their mouths going back and forth. And also, uh, they were waiting for the other one to take a position before they started arguing. Do you think they made it? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. How about you? I don't know. You know, it would have gone the opposite if. Yeah, that's just how they think. Yeah, like they, that's how they uh, think through things. <laughs> they <laughs> argue back and forth. Yeah, like your uh, cousins with half a brain. Yeah, they have half a brain. My dumb twin cousins. Another reference <laughs> that we'll say on the show again, I'm sure. But yeah, Tommy and Chucky make it back to the playpen. And of course, they they uh, 
all of the other characters in the show have changed back to Norman just in time to not confuse them. Yeah. Um, and yes, I did say back to Norman. Grandpa takes off the fire head. Dee Dee puts on her regular dress and they take uh, the big galoot spike out for a wash. And actually, I need to say this because I just remembered. I mentioned previously that not a lot of the music, if any, carries over from season one into this. When Spike is going in to get into the box with the beard, the season one, the... Like, whatever that instrument is or that tone, they use it for him again. So there is some continuity there. That's cool. Yeah. Also, uh, before Dee Dee takes off her ballerina outfit, when she has her glasses on... uh... (laughs) Lou makes like a comment. Hey, <laughs> where's the ballet? <laughs> she covers her shame. But um, uh, yeah, Tommy and Chucky make it back to the playpen before they get murdered by their monster <laughs> family. <laughs> so, yeah, they then explain to Phil and Lil all of the uh, neat stuff that they saw. And um, that brings us to the end of this segment. I don't think I'm overlooking anything else. Actually, we did gloss over something. And what the, is that? The end is written backwards. Yes, 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 yes. Because are they still in Mirrorland? <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> It'd be great if they would have done a sting of music at the end there. I know there is an episode of Rugrats where it says the end at the end, and then there's a question mark that appears. <laughs> I want to say it might be the Mega Diaper Babies episode. Yeah. So uh, I just like... <laughs> Let's riff. This is like a an ad hoc rug race. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what happens to the babies <laughs> at the end? <laughs> okay. So my first thought is they're still in Mirrorland. So Phil and Lil are typically really dumb, um, but they're smart enough to know that this isn't mere Tommy and Chucky because they're very smart here, and they're they're smart enough to act like how the normal the Norman Phil and Lil would behave. Oh, God. Yes. So they're they're trying to get intel about the regular world from regular world Tommy and Chucky. So they start playing along. Yes. So, so Phil and Lil, much too smart to be real Phil and Lil. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to know what to do. And, and they, they notice Tommy and Chucky screaming at the <laughs> mirror versions of uh, his family. So they went and in the mirror land, babies can talk to adults. <laughs> and they said, look more like the non-mirror family (laughs) (laughs) so lots of uh dark stuff potentially happening here because they they're they're at least in this household everybody is is uh is um masking up so to speak to confuse real world tommy and chucky but this is glossing something over what kind of chaos could mere tommy and chucky do in the real world because they've traded places mere tommy and chucky in the real world (laughs) because they could speak to adults (laughs) (laughs) they come through (laughs) and Dee's dressed normally and mere tommy is like hey mom why aren't you a robot (laughs) and it's a reverse horror story they're afraid because everything is norman in in mirrorland babies take care of the (laughs) grown-ups so it's like Dee, do you want some milk (laughs) oh this is a great concept so does that mean that Mir Chucky's dad is actually like a brave, a, bra- a big, brave dog? <laughs> In Mirrorland, Chucky's dad is dead. <laughs> Chucky's mom is <laughs> But he was brave before he died. <laughs> he died in the great military conflict. <laughs> he de- died in an act of heroism. 
Trying to prevent the real world from coming to the mirror land to steal its resources. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Are we in the mirror land? <laughs> Is the real world the mirror land where everybody's evil and stealing resources? And this is where it crosses over with Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty soon, Intendant Kira is going to appear, and Tommy and Chucky are going to be beside her wearing, like, like Chucky has, like, a mohawk. In a gimp suit. <laughs> If you don't know what we're talking about, watch the Star Trek Deep Space Nine uh, mirror episodes and refer to Intendant Kira because that actually makes perfect sense. So, yeah, a lot of fun had this week, as always. Um, So what are we watching next week, sir? Next week, we are watching the episodes Angelica's in Love and Ice Cream Mountain. Both good episodes. That's uh, They have the thing with season two episodes, which for me, in my head, I'm like, I don't really care about these episodes. But I feel like every time I think that I watch the episode, I'm like, oh, that's a really good episode. Yeah, it's it, exactly like they don't stick in your head like as being as good as season one. I don't know. Those were great. Yeah. But. As you're watching them, they actually are very good yeah. episodes. Um, a lot of good details, little jokes. As as we go forward further into season two, I think that we should definitely talk about some of the things that stylistically differentiate season one from two and three. That'll be fun. And if we can, if we notice any big changes between two and three, that would be pretty fun to dissect and i i do recall when i was first doing my rewatch back in like march before we started recording i do think there are some differences they might lean into the imagination episodes even more in season three because what neither of these episodes were imagination episodes have we even well we had one we had one yep i want to say three is where that becomes like the main main thing i could be wrong i mean I'm, i'm just quickly scanning and most of these are not imagination episodes. So it must be season three then. There's like a, a, the inside story I think is the second one. And that's 24. uh, Counting segments total. That's crazy. (laughs) Do you have any final thoughts for our lovely listeners at home? If you feel too uh, up right now, go queue up Grave of the Fireflies right now. And uh, if you watch Chinatown, make sure you're watching it actively and not passively. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's a very these are both very scientific uh, recommendations. So please take them to heart. Uh, And with that, we will be back here next week uh, with episode 19 of Because I've Lost Control of My Life. Thank you so much for listening. Like what you heard? Tune in Sundays at 7 p.m. to all of your favorite podcasting platforms or go to LostControlPod.com for new episodes of Because I've Lost Control of My Life. You can also email us at LostControlPod at gmail.com. That's LostControlPod at gmail.com. 